On this week's NFE SDN Reality Check, we'll talk with research firm IHS about some of their predictions for carrier spending plans on NFE and SDN deployments. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. This week, we are joined by Michael Howard, who's the Senior Research Director for Carrier Networks at IHS, to talk a bit about the, obviously, NFE and SDN and get some insight from Michael on, on the market. Uh, Michael, hey, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Great. Well, obviously, uh, for those who don't know, IHS has been covering this, uh, this space for quite a while and providing lots of great insight into what's happening in the market. I know for myself, I've been uh, dipping into your guys' research uh, often. Uh, for for a lot of my stories, so I uh, definitely appreciate at least that part of what you guys have been doing for the market. But uh, but let's maybe talk a bit about, I guess, maybe an overview of just your, your general view of kind of where we are in terms of uh, NFE and SD deployments. And obviously, it's been talked about for years now. Uh, there's been some a lot of POCs going on. What's your general view of kind of where we are today in terms of this move towards virtualization for, for telecom operators? Yeah, good question, Dan, just to set the, the big picture. Yeah. So... 2013 was what we called the year of POCs. <laughs> the prominent news, what was really happening, where the action was, was proof of concept tests, uh, carriers joining with a number of vendors for each uh, proof of concept. Uh, then in 14, that continued. Although we had a two or three, a few uh, small real-world deployments in 2014. 2015 is a year when we're seeing a lot more commercial live deployments. So there's still a lot of POCs going on. There's a lot of tests going on in the lab. Uh, and and yet there's a number of deployments. Uh, but the deployments are on the range of between 10 and 20. It's not like hundreds. So today, the bulk of the activity is still in um, developing the right software for each problem that's being solved. And you can really look at a proof of concept of not proving all of SDN and NFV. In order to solve anything, you gotta focus on one little problem or one area, a contained domain, we call it. And, and that's what carriers have been doing. It's only, you gotta bite off a small chunk, let's solve that, get it going. And so even moving those small proof of concept, the small area, into co live commercial deployment has proved to be a big task because the lab is very different than the live environment. And the live environment is one thing, but there's all of the operational procedures. Uh, people know how to set up a service. Well, they did. Now there's SDN and NFV. What do we do? And in fact, NFV brings an even bigger range of problems because, hey, servers, that's not network equipment. Oh, storage. Oh, switches among, oh, there's a rack of servers and storage. What do we do with that? That's IT's problem, not <laughs> us network folks. So there's a lot, of, a lot of issues, a lot of learning going on. But it's what has to happen to get to the real goals. Yeah, that's a great point. You're right. I mean, it did seem like, you know, 2014, 2013 was a lot of announcements, a lot of uh, partnerships going on. But you're right. It does seem like at least maybe we're starting to get to some of these, you know, like you're saying, some, some small commercial deployments. Obviously, I've talked to a lot of operators on AVAP as well. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys are really pushing this pretty heavy too. I mean, a lot of companies, domestic AT&T is really big with it, Telefonica is big with it. So you get a lot of these kind of, uh, these bigger operators who are really pushing this. But, but you're right though, it does seem like there are so many challenges involved in this. I mean, this is not, this is not a simple uh, move. This is like really, 
a whole uh, change of, of operations for these operators. That just seems like, you know, to, to think it's going to happen overnight is, is obviously not, not possible. It's just a lot going on right now in the, in the space trying to keep up with what's happening. Yeah, and so you mentioned AT&T and Telefonica. There's others, British Telecom, China Telecom, China Mobile, NTT in Japan. A lot of big operators have signed on, Deutsche Telekom, have signed on in a big way, uh, and they've done early projects. And all of these big corporations, all these big uh, service providers have corporate commitment from the top down. The only way they can achieve get it rolling out a commercial service is top-down commitment. And so we certainly see that very vocally from AT&T. We see it from Deutsche Telekom, et cetera. And yet, where are all the deployments? NTT had some early uh, early on, but there was very limited. Again, it was uh, customers ordering uh, cloud services in certain multiple data centers. It was very narrow application. In fact, they built the application on top of their existing network. They used SDN and everything. So they learned something, but it was very much a contained domain. AT&T has probably done the broadest mm -hmm. uh, rollout, 100 markets, uh, Ethernet services. They're going to add IPVPN. They're going to add firewalls and a bunch of other uh, uh, services that customers can access, can buy via a portal. And so there's a lot of automation already in there. Yeah. But if you look at it, that's, Again, kind of a special construct on top of AT&T's networks. But it's real service. Uh, they've changed a lot of things. But it took a corporate commitment from yeah. the top down to make this happen across the whole organization. Yeah, yeah, that's a big part of it, obviously. I mean, I guess as you look at kind of, I guess, the pace of deployment, I mean, is it a, is it a matter of just trying to, I guess, get SDN and NFV to work in a carrier environment? Because it does seem like these technologies have been around to an extent in data centers and in various other platforms. But obviously, you know, this move towards telecom is a, it's a pretty big move because I mean, operators have certain service level uh, requirements and they've got, you know, the whole carrier grade issue and, you know, people expect something from their telecom operator. And it seems like this is, uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, let this stuff all be taken over by, by software and automation. It's a big commitment and it's, uh, you know, there's a trust factor involved. Is that been kind of the biggest challenge just getting I guess this stuff moved towards what carriers really need. Has that been kind of the, maybe the holdup to this, this process? Well, you named a lot of the challenge, <laughs> definitely. And I, I'm not sure you're going to name one top challenge. When we asked the service providers this year, what are the top challenges? They named two in particular. One, they see that the software that's available is not carrier grade yet. Yeah. On the other hand, a number of operators are saying, we're going with what is available. We're going to make it work in these contained domains. Well, the second big problem that carriers named, almost as many said, it was a majority of operators saying, it's our own network, our own process, our own procedures that are the impediment. How do we change all of those? Uh, so even if we could buy perfect software today, we'd still have how do we change how we operate. So those are the two biggest ones. But and then narrowing down or, or uh, looking down a little deeper about NFV in particular, yeah, data centers have been working for a long time and well-known technologies, servers, you know, compute, storage, switching, it all works. However, now with NFV, it's not just those physical devices. Now it's layers and layers, and I have to say, and layers and layers <laughs> of software to make something work. 
and it's multi-vendor and it goes on there's orchestration there's control actually there's multiple layers of orchestration just in nfei nfv there is service orchestration where you worry about uh the different vnfs what service are you actually delivering but then there's the application well you can let's just talk about the nfvi the infrastructure there's orchestration for the physical NFV infrastructure. So there's a service level orchestration and infrastructure level orchestration. And this is just within the NFV <laughs> you know, architecture. But how do you make it all work? It's, it's tricky. So, I mean, it, it's just not uh, easy. It's going to be easy in the future, but everybody's learning. The carriers are learning, the vendors are learning, and we're all learning what, what's going on and what's not going on. Yeah, true. But, true. but I, I, I think the industry's running as fast as it can. I, I think we're—I don't want to use—we uh, want the industry's going all out to make this happen. Yeah, Both the service provider side and the vendor side, everybody wants to make it happen. But it's just a monumental problem. You're—we're changing everything. How everything's done. Uh, so it's a big problem, but we're learning. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. I mean, it's, obviously, you guys provide a lot of, I guess, uh, a little reality to the situation because, I mean, you know, we, we talk a lot with vendors and, you know, they're always obviously trying to push what they've got available now and they'll claim that, hey, this stuff is ready to go today. Uh, you talk to the carriers, they're obviously a little more conservative about it, but it's always good to kind of get a mix of both to kind of see where we actually might be because, but you're right, it is kind of hard at times to parse through, you know, all the hype around this because, again, it's been talked about for a few years now and the hype cycle. Uh, it seemed like we were probably at a very good, a big peak of the hype cycle, you know, six months ago or so. But I think we're maybe in a, in a more of a reality phase now, where people are realizing, yeah, this is this is a lot of work. Uh, there's a lot going on here that's going to need to be kind of worked through, uh, even for small little parts. And so it seems like, yeah, obviously we're kind of working through those different cycles of of, of the, the deployment cycle, I guess. Yeah. Well, another uh, interesting trend in the industry is if you look at uh, there's actually, so, sorry, size matters. Sure. Let me just say it that way. The bigger you are, the harder it is to make changes, and you have to pick off these contained domains. On the other hand, there's small operators, smaller operators like Colt, who really want to make this happen, uh, and they they have, they have had the earliest virtual enterprise CPE deployment. Mm -hmm. But they were on this track of modularizing their network in 2009. It was their vision before SDN, that word came about, and and, be, and before NFV. Uh, so then, also, if you look at uh, PacNet, is a small, relatively small, and very focused Asia carrier, Pan Asian carrier. Telstra just bought them, and bought them in part because of what they had done two years ago. They had uh, their Ethernet services running under SDN. Not a lot of people heard of, heard about it. And they were a smaller group. They wanted to be more agile. Uh, and they only had a smaller set of services. They had business and data center interconnection and uh, business connection. So their business was much simpler than an AT&T or you yeah. know, one of the big, the big operators. So, But th they, again, made the decision from the top. Uh, and got services running. And then KVH, part of Colt now, officially part of Colt, yeah. they've been acquired. They had the same owner before. But basically, 
they did the same thing. They were uh, a little after uh, PACnet in terms of getting actual deployment, but their vision was the same. It came from the top. They're very focused, mostly the same kind of uh, competitive business of data center interconnection and uh, and enterprise connection. So it was an easier task for them to say, let's go change everything. Uh, but the commonality for both of them being smaller, having a focused business and direction from the top, commitment from the top. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, I guess I guess in this case, size matters is a perhaps a bit of a detriment because again, the big you're right, like you're saying, the bigger you are, the more difficult this is to kind of run through the system. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, the big companies that are making noise, AT and T and Telefonica and DT, and those are large corporations who are, you know, obviously to get this all through the system. I mean, AT and T has said they want to have seventy five percent control uh, by twenty twenty. I think is what it was. Uh, I mean, that's you know, it's 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 great to putting numbers out there, but that's a monumental task because, like you said, those are huge organizations which have, are kind of set in their ways and so changing the mindsets and and you know all the legacy equipment they've got to kind of run through i mean that's those are tasks i mean I've, it's, this is not a greenfield or uh yeah greenfield deployment here i mean those would be a lot much easier so yeah yeah oh if you don't have a dream if you <laughs> 75 percent, we'll see if that happens however to have a push goal like that and to publicly state it for the world to see and also the employees, everybody knows, uh-oh, <laughs> real, we got to change. I mean, AT&T really made, if you look at their announcements starting a couple of years ago, they said, our people's jobs are changing. I mean, that's one of the biggest impediments. And they said, people are going to have to, some of their jobs are going to go away. The goal of this is automation. We're going to automate a lot. We're going to remove a lot of errors because of it, and we're going to bring agility in because of it. However, jobs have to change. So AT&T announced that there were classes set up in Atlanta, at least, so one of the major locations of AT&T. But basically they were saying, we're going to help you, employees, where you if you're willing to go to the classes and learn the new skills, we'll have a job for you. Leaving the blank space of those that you don't want to change, <laughs> not have a job, you know. But the writing on the wall is clear, and that's you know top management again. It's not the CTO saying, "Oh, wonderful new technology. We have a way to save, you know, bring in agility, automation." It's the CEO. It's the board level that knows this is happening and is committed to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, you're right. That's very, very uh, brave move by them to do that because, again, put the numbers out there because, again, we're always going to revisit them and their numbers. And, you know, when you put it out there, it's always a challenge. I know just, yeah. you know, just recently I was at the CTIA show and I met with AT&T there, Margaret Chiosi there, and, and she again put out the numbers as well. So they're sticking with their numbers. They're, they like them. They're, they're on track for them. So we'll see, like you said, but we'll see how it plays out longer term. But uh, it's good to have a goal, like you said. You gotta, you gotta it's, gutsy. it's gutsy and inspirational for the whole industry, for them, AT&T, as well as the industry. Yeah, for the vendors. I mean, it puts everybody on point that, hey, this is serious. There's a company that's going to spend money on this. So, you know, we might also put some equipment out there and, and make this work. So that's a big part of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, obviously, now, now the financial aspect of this is also a challenge. I know you guys have done uh, some forecasting on what you guys expect, uh, at least in terms of spending on this. You know, I guess as you look forward, I mean, your forecasts show – you know, relatively, uh, still a relatively small market today, but uh, not to say it's not a, a good market, but still a smaller market, but your, your forecast at least shows some significant growth going forward. I guess, as you look forward on this, I mean, you guys do seem very bullish on the fact that this will be 
uh, a big spending item for operators going forward, it seems. Yeah, it's a real commitment and it takes financial commitment, sure. right? So, but I want to point out that, you know, we have for SDN, uh, 5.7 billion spending in 2019 by carriers around the world. Um, and NFV, it's 11.6 billion spending in 2019. That's, you know, what I say, yeah, 17.3 billion total of carrier commitment. However, it turns out that most of that is not new revenue. The new revenue, new, so part of that's for routers mm -hmm. and WDM equipment that is SDN under the control of, of uh, SDN. Uh, it's, it's revenue that carriers are spending already. Yeah. I mean, for example, a router to become SDN enabled, uh, open flow uh, uh, interfaces and and logic in the in the routers mm -hmm. is software, and the router vendors are not charging some new fee to make their routers SDN enabled. What they're doing is the next software release, and they've already all done it. The next software release has open flow capability and some other intelligence in the software that allows APIs to do SDN controls or seeking, asking for information. This stuff is getting added software-wise. Some of it will get added to hardware later, but it's not gonna be a separate line item at all. It's a function of the equipment. So we've identified, you know, like $1,200 a port for a router port and something similar for WDM ports that are SDN in use or they're in use. So it captures something that represents some sort of investment, real investment on those ports uh, with the equipment, but it's not new revenue. So that part of the revenue, it existed already and it's gonna, it's not new, but it's captured in our number. So what is new of course is all the SDN software and the NFB software. The the that that is brand new uh, there's no doubt about it and there's professional services that are required really in, in reality that the carriers are paying the vendors for so yeah there's new revenues in there but the bulk of, over half of it is is not new so the spending is is almost it's not ancillary it's not insignificant it's something but it's not the it's not a big impediment at all really yeah uh, yeah at and drop a couple billion off of their you know their uh, capex spending saying saying a big reason is hey we're, we're automating stuff we're using sdn and v you know we're gonna make a change and <laughs> to show that commitment we're cutting our capex but, <laughs> so uh We'll yeah, I guess that's kind of the challenge of this because you're right. I mean, it is a growing market, but it's a growing market that uh, that's basis is really saving money. And so you're right. So there's you know, it's kind of a I guess a catch twenty two there. I mean, obviously uh, for the vendors, you know, they're gonna it's a new it's somewhat of a new revenue stream to an extent, but it's also replacing uh, previous revenue streams that they were used to getting in the past. Yeah. And so it's an adjustment for them, and I know it seems like a lot of the bigger vendors uh, are going through a lot of uh, internal changes and 
and kind of how they're how they're generating revenue. It's it, it's a big it's kind of big almost bigger for the vendor community because they're having to redo their whole business models as well uh, in terms of how they're going to approach their carrier carrier partners with this because the carriers want open source and they want to be multi vendor and things like that. But uh, but the vendors you know they try to lock everybody in as much as they can. So that's kind of a big change too. Yeah. No. Uh, it that tension <laughs> is going to remain. But you know you've seen or we've all watched Cisco over the last three years first, well, let's just say that they've gradually moved to be really more open in the way people want, the way the carriers want. Uh, I mean, carriers, Deutsche Telekom, AT&T, others publicly say, if the big vendors don't cooperate in this game, we're going to stop buying from you. <laughs> and, and they're serious about it. Uh, so that includes Cisco routers so i mean and juniper huawei seems to be you know fully behind sdn and nfv uh and yet most of the router soft router companies are still making their money off of hardware hardware is still absolutely necessary and and in the as we go into the future more of the sdn capabilities and nfv capabilities even will be put into the hardware, but you won't, won't be something extra you buy. It's going to be part of the hardware. But it'll become, definitely routers will become more, if we'll call it SDN optimized. Uh, they'll have more, more capability of being controlled by not the, their own router control plane, but outside uh, software. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, obviously, at and I know just talking to them, like I was saying earlier, uh, you know, they, I mean, they said that, you know, if there's stuff that they are not getting from their vendors, they're willing to almost just do it themselves. I mean, they're really putting the screws, it seems, yeah. to say, hey, this is what we want. Uh, if you're not on board, you know, either we'll do it or we'll bring in a lot of new companies who are perhaps new to the telecom space but are have been, you know, been in the data center space for a long time, you know, bring a lot of people in with their domain program. Uh, a lot of new companies involved that they're doing. So, yeah, it is definitely changing uh, the market and, and the tension you mentioned is, you know, you definitely can notice that when you go and talk to vendors, uh, you know, it's under the level, it's under the, you know, a little bit under the, the you know, the, the, under the scenes there, but it's, you can definitely tell it's there, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, especially on the NFV side, there's a lot of functionality that goes into software that can, can be produced like, like a meta switch and the firm networks that AT&T initially named in there. And, uh, uh, and TLF, who now is owned by Cisco, small software companies that the carriers really like because it's software it already runs on servers. Uh, so, uh, and I think AT&T said something at one point, they had talked to a thousand companies. Yeah. Well, they had done the speed dating with at least, a <laughs> they had narrowed it down to, I forgot the numbers, 50 or 100 that they were working more closely with. Uh, but that was, proof that they did that they did it and then they talked about it to the, the big guys so you're not in this alone folks and if we can't get it from you we're going to get it from somebody else yeah yeah it's definitely a changing market out there well you know before we wrap up the conversation here uh, i mean i guess as you look forward to it i mean you know obviously you've mentioned already a lot of the challenges still laying ahead for this this move towards virtualization uh, you know, even some questions about whether time frames will be hit and stuff. But I guess as you look forward, do, do you see that the current uh, time frames that people are talking about, are they, are they realistic? And then also, what are perhaps the hurdles, maybe the, you know, the, the major 
maybe near-term hurdles that you see and perhaps maybe as something like a, like a long-term hurdle that you see that still need to be kind of tackled before we get to, you know, to meeting those, those kind of deadlines and timeframes that, that are out there? Yeah, there's some big ones sitting there. Uh, I think basically, I think you kind of nailed it that we're out of the hype cycle down in uh-oh, <laughs> the gulf of reality or something. We're headed in that direction. But I think uh, especially with all of the operators that have tried to move from POC into commercial service and just found, uh-oh, <laughs> there's so many things. And they, even with a small project, a small piece, a contained domain, they still have run into a lot of problems. I think the bigger, if I, and I've done this, I stood back and looked at what does a carrier network look like in the year 2020? You know, and the grand scheme is, the goal is automation and you achieve that by having some kind of Uber control and orchestration of the whole network that knows what all the services are available in the network, that knows what all the services are in place in the network being delivered now and and that then on the whole network wide view uh, has to communicate with something that knows about what is the actual network what are all the products there and so what's in use you know you have to have if you want to put a service in place you have to have bandwidth on certain routes for a certain service so and all this stuff is supposed to happen automatically so these big views have to be of the network and I call that the orchestrator of orchestrators. <laughs> but in reality, the big orchestrator of everything has to then communicate with other orchestrators of the domains, like IPVPNs, like mobile backhaul, like uh, consumer broadband, like uh, data center interconnection. So there's a lot of the specific uh, parts of the carrier network that an orchestrator needs to have specific knowledge of what's there and what are the services there and then to appeal to some kind of controller for that part of the network. And so this is where the difference between orchestration and control happen. So then the controllers actually talk, talk to the equipment and communicate with them and tell them what to do in order to effect the service that is being pushed down to that network uh, area network segment uh, of the network to the orchestrator so as what's happening today is the proof of concepts really are taking maybe as much as in the case of some Chinese carriers mobile backhaul the whole thing or but we're seeing more likely uh, uh, some people are doing a little bit of consumer broadband mm -hmm. a lot of operators the majority are trying to put in place what's known as virtual enterprise CPE. So the ability to take the firewall, the WAN optimization controller, the carrier grade NAT functions that are now delivered via a physical edge router, now move those off onto servers. And that's basically what, and move some of that router mm -hmm. logic off onto the server as well. So you have to have the physical server to move packets, I mean, sorry, you still have to have the physical router to move the packets, prioritize them, tell them where to go, all of that. But the services, uh, all, uh, three quarters of the operators are currently planning to move uh, those functions, move many functions off. 
but they're finding it difficult to do. <laughs> but but so back, let me back off a little bit here and go back to saying there's multiple orchestrations and multiple controls. So the proof of concepts, like a virtual enterprise CPE, they're focusing on one issue. They they can solve that. They can go put it in the network. Well, so what's happening is you cannot start with this big orchestrator of orchestrators. You have to start with the small pieces. So we're talking, we're hearing orchestration, great, and control, great. It's always of a small piece of the network. Yeah. And so what I see happening in the future is how do we get to that 2020 vision of the grand orchestrator of orchestrators, the Uber Uber orchestrator, if you will. It's it's how do you automate the whole network? You need that yeah. rather than just automate this piece, then this piece, and then this piece. So the coming challenge is, is what some people are calling a multi-domain orchestration. Mm -hmm. so how do you coordinate IPVPN and uh, mobile backhaul or something? Mm -hmm. How do you take two parts that are initially implemented in the, in the network where POCs move to commercial live deployment, now, how do you get those to be controlled from a bigger view? And they're calling that multi-domain orchestration. So it's that's a minor version of orchestrator of orchestrators. But but you have to start small. So how do you do one or two or three different domains, like the router domains for IPVPNs over the optical domain? That's a that's one that's being done now. Yep. That's just a little piece. <laughs> one piece, and you have to. Walk before you crawl and crawl before you walk. So, uh, did, I, did I say that right? Crawl before you, uh, one of those. We all agree. Yeah, anyway, before you run. Now you yeah, walk before right. you run. Oh, we're not running yet. We're not even walking yet. I think we're crawling. Yeah. But, but over time, and it's going to take several years to get there. Now, how does multi domain orchestration happen? Hmm. Orchestrators have to talk to orchestrators, and that's a lateral protocol. Oh, who's working on that protocol? <laughs> yeah. so, so we have a ways to go. So I think it's, and the problem I think that carriers are seeing is that when they commit to an Ericsson or Huawei or Cisco or somebody to do this uh, Alcatel to do the POC and move it to commercial deployment, now they have something in the network and usually there's a prime vendor. There's somebody that, and usually that prime vendor has the orchestration software, mm -hmm. kind of the controlling software. It's kind of like in the old world, whose router do you buy? And then they're in control. But now, whose orchestration software do you buy? Who's the prime vendor? And they're in control of that part of the network now. And once something's implemented, it's really hard to back out and say, <laughs> differently, we now have a grand scheme across everything. So I think there's vendor lock-in at least at the level even though there's multiple vendors yeah nfv parts there's vendor lock-in for that uh, prime vendor yeah and, you know it, it's huawei ericsson it'll be the new nokia alcatel uh and then nec and cisco i may be leaving somebody out i hope i don't sell somebody short but it's those big vendors yeah, that because, yeah. have the capability with with professional services with labs where they can bring it, you know, carrier, big carrier says, Deutsche Telekom says, we want the following 
software. We want you to have this orchestration um, for SD and this orchestration for NFE. We want this and so, and then they want everybody to be able to swap in and swap out. But those big carriers, where do they do all of that? They want to be able to go to a vendor who's willing to be the prime vendor, yeah. though they won't own all the parts. So it's bigness is an advantage as it always is. Sure. So here again, size matters. Yeah. Size matters in a different way there for the vendors. Yeah, you're right. That's a great point. It's, it is interesting how this is all going to play out because again, it is, you know, people are trying to reinvent the wheel here, but uh, they're realizing, I think that the wheel that we already have uh, seems to work pretty well as well. So uh, it's definitely a different challenge what's happening out there. That's, that's for sure. And yeah. it seems like it's going to take definitely a few years for this all to kind of play out. That's, that's for sure. I think it's going to be a lot of years. So I think it's the magnitude of this change is like moving from TDM to packet. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we've already been longer than 10 years in this process <laughs> and we're not done yet. Yeah. You know, so now we're just barely starting the SDN pro trail, SDN and NV. And, and, you know, back in the early days of moving from TDM to packet, a lot was already defined, you know, IP, TCP IP was already defined. Yeah. TDM networks were in place. How do you move from, how do you start using packets with TDM? You start running packets over TDM, uh, over Sonnet. Uh, uh, I think the technologies were more well known is what yeah. point I'm making. Today, what is, you know, we're still creating, what is orchestration? Uh, what, is, what, is, what do controllers do? I mean, we're still getting into it. So yeah. I think this one, it's going to be a longer startup uh, and a longer finish as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. We, we didn't even get to the point, you know, all the, all the standards issues that are still out there when it comes to these technologies as well. I mean, you know, when you have a multi-vendor environment, they have to be able to talk to each other. And so, yeah, we didn't even get into that part. And that's a whole nother two-hour conversation there, I think. But uh, yeah, that challenge is a big one. I mean, every carrier says we want standards, we want standards. But on the other hand, we can't wait for standards. <laughs> so they go choose an ecosystem and get things going. And then there's the DevOps, you know, the, the point of all of this is to be more agile, yeah. to have a lot of automation. It means instrumentation of the network. It means uh, analytics, immediate analytics. I call that small data. Uh, yeah. And then feed that back into policy, feed that back, have that information available so you can change the QoS SLAs so that your high paying customers will get the SLA uh, that they bought. Also it's traffic, you know, well, how's the traffic moving around the network? Well, oh, this is, this is some connection is getting overloaded. How do you automatically, you get feedback immediately and you really want it to happen automatically, the traffic starts getting rerouted. Yeah. You, don't need to, you don't want to have people, it happens so fast, you don't want to have people involved in it. So there's all sorts of things that there's still a long way to go. Yeah, well, I guess that's probably the, the, the main takeaway for most people who are watching this is the fact that, hey, this is a great, obviously it's a great move by operators, but this is going to take a while, a lot of moving pieces involved. Uh, that's perhaps not, I uh, think this is going to happen next year, so it's going to be a multi-year, uh, a multi-billion dollar move by, by a lot of companies. So. Uh, We'll see how that all plays out. Well, hey, Michael, hey, again, we appreciate the great insight on this. Obviously, like I was saying, this is a topic we can probably talk on for uh, several hours, but we'll save our viewers some time here and not uh, go too deep into a lot of these things. But, uh, but again, we definitely appreciate the great insight today, Michael, on the time and, and everything today. So, so, so much, uh, thanks so much for the, for the time today. Thanks, Dan. Great, and hopefully we'll talk again soon on the topic as well. 
Well, again, thanks everyone for joining us on this week's NFESD Reality Check, and make sure to check us out again next week. NFVSDN Reality Check with Dan Meyer is a production of RCR-TV. To suggest show topics or to reach Dan, you can find him on email, dmeyer at rcrwireless.com and on Twitter at Meyer underscore Dan. For more Dan, news on NFVSDN and everything wireless, find your way over to rcrwireless.com.